Welcome to the Tipping Point for Federal Shared Services Panel Discussion, sponsored by Ernst & Young. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Roberta Moreau, a principal in the government and public sector practice for Ernst & Young, Cindy Gallagher, a senior vice president for global business services at Discovery Communications, Mark Glorioso, the executive director of NASA's Shared Services Center, Matt Miller, the Assistant Commissioner for Fiscal Accounting at the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Treasury Department, and Mark Rieger, the Deputy Controller at the Office of Management and Budget. Welcome to the panel discussion today. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. This seems to have the perfect time to have a conversation about shared services. The Trump administration is making a major push for agencies to consolidate back office systems and make them more efficient through the use of shared resources. Starting back in May, when President Donald Trump signed the executive order for cybersecurity, the administration emphasized, and I quote, strong preference in the procurement for shared IT services, including email, cloud, and cybersecurity services. The draft IT modernization strategy released in August and currently being finalized has a whole section on shared services to enable the future network architecture. In the draft document, the, the administration stated, and again, I quote, not only would the widespread use and deployment of shared services in information security provide cost savings, they would also provide a more consistent level of security across the federal enterprise. And then there's the agency reform plans. The administration also highlighted the need for agencies to consolidate and reduce duplication as part of their strategies to restructure both mission areas and administrative efforts. All of this focus over the last six months or so means shared services are gaining that critical mass that maybe the concept hasn't had over the last 15 years. As we know, previously attempts to consolidate back office systems have struggled. The policies and laws haven't really come together to create an easier environment for shared services, and agencies were slow to understand that changing their business processes were the key to this effort. So what's different today? That's, there's definitely a new sense of urgency across the government for the policy and strategy reasons mentioned above, but also the ever-changing budget, budget environment that agencies are facing adds a new criticality to the discussion. This urgency also comes with as a new set of innovations are impacting the marketplace. Robotics, process automation, software as a service, and many others are expected to have a major effect on how providers deliver services in the near future. So how are agencies in the private sector going to work together to meet this expected demand? And what are some of those innovations that the private sector can bring to government? Well, that's where our panelists come in. Once again, our panelists are Roberta Moreau, a principal in the government and public sector practice for Ernst & Young, Cindy Gallagher, a vice president for global business services at Discovery Communications, Mark Glorioso, the executive director of NASA's Shared Services Center, Matt Miller, the assistant commissioner for fiscal accounting in the, at the Bureau of Fiscal Service at the Treasury Department, and Mark Rieger, the deputy controller at the Office of Management and Budget. So usually I like to start to my left on the discussion, but instead I'm gonna start all the way down there with Mark Rieger, our friend from OMB. Mark, there's this urgency that's happening. Give me a sense of, of this urgency a little bit from OMB's perspective and what's really driving the move to shared services uh, in the broad sense. So as you've said, Jason, we've been on this shared service uh, roller coaster for quite a while, uh, but in this case, we're really trying to cut down on the administrative costs, the backroom operations, the mission support functions around the government. And to do that, all the agencies identified, and we've really endorsed this shared service concept to try to do something one time and share it amongst many. So, so this concept, as you said, has been ongoing. Is there, do, do, you've been in government for a couple years now. Uh, what, what's your sense of the difference today versus five years ago, 10 years ago, or during the Bush administration, even when, when the lines of business and, and all that started really getting, gaining steam? I think it's a maturity model issue. You know, we've, we've come through a lot of uh, fits and starts. Um, every one of those has resulted in a stronger outcome on whatever the next generation was uh, in the current uh, scenario a couple of years ago, you'll remember that the real question was around governance. So we formed USSM to work across the lines and trying to make sure that we weren't siloed in our shared service adoption. Uh, and we're moving now towards more adoption. And we actually did a lot in the last 10 years to stir up supply. <coughs> sorry, to uh, stir up demand amongst the agencies. And we seem to have done a good job of that because now we have a lot more demand than we have supply. And we're going to get to that supply piece when we talk to Matt and Mark. But first, let me turn to Roberta. From your, the outsider's perspective, meaning the, the contractor's perspective, what are you seeing that's different around the urgency for shared services? I think definitely the increased demand and organizations are, are seeing that this is a truly a way to improve their operations, drive efficiencies, drive effectiveness and a willingness to explore different models that could meet their needs. 
Uh, I think the administration, it, you know, through the reform plans, almost every agency has looked at how can they leverage shared services better, both in the mission space and in the back office operations. And so I think people are leaning into this opportunity. All right. Mark, from NASA, jump in. I think there's also, uh, especially at the Shared Service Center at NASA, we started using data analytics a while back to get a real baseline for how much services were costing before we transferred them in. And we have spent a lot of time tracking that cost and proving that they are effective. So that a lot of the people who are the naysayers or the people who are skeptical are now seeing some real honest to goodness hard fact data that says you can't dispute the fact that it was cheaper to do simplified acquisition, for instance, in this shared environment. It's interesting because the baseline data has always been the hardest point. I remember uh, when this got started, when they talked about the lines of business back in the mid-2000s, well, how, how do you know I'm saving money? Well, what's my cost? Or am I spending the same amount but getting better capabilities? So how'd you guys come to that baseline well, data all piece? all of the above, right? Yeah. But what we really did was we built a, a model at the very beginning in a business case. And we went out and we surveyed for almost a year and we got the real dollars, the actual facts. What are you spending? How much time does it take? take you. At the end of that process, I sat down with all of the stakeholders and I said, this is the measure we're going to use. This is the yardstick. Everybody's agreeing to that, right? <laughs> and everybody's nodding their head. So we have on record, this is the real honest to goodness cost. And now we're just tracking to see what we're spending. So Matt, jump in here, and, and Cindy, I'm going to come back to you because you're going to bring the private sector perspective. But Matt, are you guys doing very similar to what, what NASA's doing? Yeah, absolutely. In Treasury, so we've been providing shared services for about two decades, and there's absolutely a proven business case and, and, a, and a strong ROI and, and success, a track record of success. Some of what we struggle with sometimes, though, is especially in a political environment, is recognizing that the real cost payback or cost savings can be long term, especially when it comes to the next time you need to modernize. We, we've got a, a, a case study uh, or, a, or a proven example where a few years ago we had to do kind of a next gen modernization of our financial system platform. We did that successfully and we did it for about 12 to 13 million dollars, not chump change. But when you spread that 12 to 13 million dollar investment over our 30 to 40 customers, each of our customer agencies got a successful modernization of their financial management platform for about $300,000. If each of those 30 entities would have gone off on their own, easily you calculate the savings or, or the avoidance to the taxpayer of north of $150 million easily. So that's just one example where there's definitely a value proposition financially and non-financially, but sometimes part of the tough sell is the financial savings is more long-term. Cindy, let me bring you in from the private sector perspective, Discovery Communications. First, just in case if people don't know what you guys do, talk a little bit about what you do, and then talk about where shared services fit into your business model. Yeah, sure. So Discovery Communications, we are in 220 countries globally. Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, TLC are the, the major communication channels that most people know us for. Uh, I've been with the company for just over three years now. And for, for us, shared services isn't too unlike what I've heard Mark from OMB, Mark and the guys from NASA talk about um, for, for several years, frankly. We started looking at, and everyone in the, in the uh, private sector starts this way, looking at cost, right? Just as you mentioned, Mark, with, with the NASA organization. However, I would add to that, we also look at our quality measures. How are we delivering a higher quality to our business units? And from a cash flow perspective, how are we delivering a return on the cash capital that can be reinvested for us, whether that may be another show, new content, a new product, a new mobile device, mobile product. Uh, but the cash flow, that working capital opportunity is, is a huge yet untapped opportunity within shared services. Mark. Um, we have for 10 years at the Shared Service Center been very um, diligently tracking our SLIs. We have maintained a high quality service. That was the first thing that we attacked. And it was over that 10 year period of time where we realized what people want to see is, yes, it's a better service. Yes, it's a good service. What are you saving me in dollars? And that's been, that's kind of the evolution we made. But yes, do not sell short. The quality and the higher quality is probably the first thing you really want to tout when you're doing shared services. Very good catch. Let me bring in Mark Rieger from OMB. The, the dollar figures, everyone likes to focus on the dollar figures, and, and that's nice, but it's, it's bigger than that now, I think. I, I think, I think it's, it's capabilities, it's security, there's so many other pieces. It has gotten a lot more important, Jason, and a lot more normal that we try to look at the federal government from a, comp, from a holistic way, and right now we're a division of a whole lot of very large companies amongst the largest in the world, 
any one of our agencies is on par with nations around the world. And so in order to look at the federal government more holistically, we need standard data. We need to be able to collect information from these agencies in a way that we can actually run the government in a more uh, efficient and effective manner. And, and when you talk about standard data, I got to bring up the Data Act. I know uh, that's uh, that been a priority for you guys at OMB. Is that the piece of that, or is, or, or is it more than just the Data Act because that looks at procurement, but there's these other baseline things that, as Mark and, and Cindy talked about? Well, the Data Act did some really important things for us. Um, it is just the start, so let's not assume that everything's great at this point. <laughs> um, but in reality, it is the first time we've linked major systems, procurement systems and accounting system together and allows the finance people to be able to look at the procurement activity across the spectrum. Uh, hopefully in the future, we'll add in other, uh, as we increase the data quality around the Data Act activity, which I'm sure is going to be uh, difficult in the first couple of iterations. We're two quarters in now, and things are much better than they were in the first quarter in. So we're expecting that quality will improve remarkably, and as it does, we'll add in other kinds of data that we have. Matt. Yeah, I would just say not to undersell at all the, the importance of standard. It's, and it's not just data standards, but in shared services, I mean, that's, that's the bedrock principle of shared services is there has to be standardization and reuse. Without that, it's just services. It's not shared services. So it's not just uh, data standards. It's, it's common system standards and, 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 and baselines. It's internal control standards. It's business process standards. When you have those standards, then that makes, that it reduces the risk on so many other aspects, whether that be uh, system modernizations, reducing risk, um, clean audit opinions, or you mentioned Data Act, even on being able to successfully implement and meet new government-wide mandates when you have standards. Jason, can I just Sure, jump in. Just so you know that currently the Chico Council is working on talent management standards, the CFO Council is working on core accounting process standards, um, the uh, GSA is working on new travel standards, uh, grants office is working on grant standards, standards for grants. You remember the two pilots that came out of that act. The IT group is working on um, security standards, and DHS is working on uh, procurement standards. So we have a lot of standard setting activity, all of which has been generated by this interest in shared service. And, and let me just pull on that because I know a couple of people want to jump in. When you talk about standards, you're, you're basically talking about uh, the 80-20 rule or, or 90-10 or whatever you want to call it, where what, is, what do agencies do that are basically the same and let's standardize across that? That's right. You're not trying to accomplish everything for everybody. Agencies are unique. Uh, but we're trying to get the commonality together and then define that so the things that we all do do the same, we can look at those. Uh, Roberta, jump in. The standardization, as everyone's talking about, is critical for moving forward. And I would say, you know, the current state across all of the federal government, we've only taken advantage of shared services mostly from an IT platform perspective. I mean, most agencies, if they've gone to a shared services, it's to leverage an IT platform, and they're missing out on the benefits of leveraging the people and the processes. So most organizations, which certainly have happened on the commercial side, you know, they can see 20 to 50% savings in cost savings, but also improvement in quality, looking at the full picture of different delivery models. So now you're getting the economies of scales, you're looking at different organizational you know, span of control, as well as better way of working, right? Standardizations, process standardizations, automation, um, we have an opportunity to really embrace the full benefit that shared services could provide us. And, and I think you make a great point that IT was, was the easy one, so to speak. And we saw payroll, and, and I always like to use this as an example that, that with all due respect, Mark, uh, OMB should bring down the hammer more often on, on stuff like payroll, but we're not going to put Mark on the spot on that one. That's, that's my little soapbox I like to jump in. <laughs> Cindy, let me turn to you, uh, get Mark off the hook. Um, wh when you talk a little bit about the cost savings and better quality, is, do, have you guys seen that? We have, absolutely. I and was going to hopefully you were going to say no. <laughs> no not at all. Not at, at all. Point. Right. And no, we, we absolutely have. And to the point that was being made on standardization, uh, I would like to add the word expectation setting, phrase expectation setting to that. When you have standardization across all of these platforms, whether it's procurement, IT, payroll, other working capital initiatives, other finance, HR, and IT processes, and you set that out, your clients and your internal customers know what the expectations are. Right? You need to set that first. And then from there, you can drive the quality improvement. You know what your measuring stick is, 
to use a word we've used earlier today. You know what the client's expectations are, and you know how to meet them. In fact, you can then exceed them once you have that set. And, and the, the expectation is key. Mark, jump in. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that hammer statement. <laughs> NASA spent the last year looking at developing some kind of a federal shared services model. And we kept on with that mentality, if we build it, they will come. And actually what I think we've learned is if they come, we will build it. <laughs> and they're not coming unless there's a real good reason to come. And it really isn't even we can say how good it is, we can show how good it is, but until somebody like OMB comes out and says, thou shalt do this, I think that the growth will be slow and it will continue to take a long, long time. But, but let, me, let, me, let me pull Matt into this as well because you have a similar challenge. Uh, the supply and demand issue, as Mark said at the beginning, there's a huge demand now. And, and you know, we see it by, as we go to shared services events and you hear people talk about it, that, that and then you, you as the shared service providers are facing a tough road because you can't always meet the demand because your supply is limited, generally speaking. So I don't know if, if you want to respond well, real quick. I'd love and then to respond <laughs> to that because the shared service center at NASA has the capability, but it's not our mission. Yeah. I'm not, as a NASA civil servant, really all that interested in providing shared services for some other agency because it's going to water down my mission. It's going to make my upper management at NASA very interested in what's going on at the Shared Service Center. And we got to fly spacecraft. And I was a big advocate for we need some kind of a government corporation or an independent entity that's doing these shared services who has as their mission that. And, and it's been interesting to watch the NFC, the National Finance Center evolution. There's rumors, and I won't put words in anybody's mouth, but there's certainly rumors that the Secretary of Ag is saying, why are we doing that again? <laughs> so there's there's something to be said about this as agencies providing for other agencies is probably not the best model. That's a tough place to take a break, but we're going to have to take a quick break. So Matt, hold that thought. We'll come back to you. You're listening to the panel discussion, The Tipping Point for Federal Shared Services, sponsored by Ernst & Young on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Agencies are looking to shared services to reduce costs, improve quality, and focus resources on mission programs. But the current shared services supply is challenged to meet demand and new strategies must be deployed. That's where EY comes in. Our government and public sector team can help you design and implement shared services delivery models to optimize operations. From preparing the move to a shared services environment to managing the transformation process, EY is ready to help you build a better working world. Visit ey.com slash govpublicsector. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, The Tipping Point for Federal Shared Services, sponsored by Ernst & Young on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Roberta Moreau, a principal in the government and public sector practice for Ernst & Young. Cindy Gallagher, a Senior Vice President for Global Business Services at Discovery Communications. Mark Glorioso, the Executive Director of NASA's Shared Services Center. Matt Miller, the Assistant Commissioner for Fiscal Accounting at the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Treasury Department. And Mark Rieger, the Deputy Controller in the Office of Management and Budget. Before that break, I know we were just getting into it, and I'm sorry we had to, we had to jump out. But, but Matt, you wanted to come in because I asked you and Mark a question, and Mark took all your time. So let's start with Matt on this one. Uh, the demand side of this is challenging. So talk a little bit about how you guys, what you guys are seeing and dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. And first, just following up on what Mark said about um, tied to mission. Uh, so with especially as it relates to kind of core central accounting and financial management, that very much is part of Treasury's mission. And so uh, the, the, the improving financial management as well as shared services has actually been baked into our our Bureau's uh, mission statement, which absolutely is a help in terms of that top-level support. On to the topic of the customer uh, demand, I think that demand has to be evaluated and you have to look where you think the best opportunity as a provider is going to be for success. And so the, the tagline or, or the mantra that we're always looking to evaluate and, and kind of the recipe for success is adopt standard, improve standard. So if, if, the, if the potential consumer or customer is truly coming with that executive level support all the way down through their organization with this mindset of I am going to modify my practices and to the maximum extent possible, I'm going to adopt what the standard solution is. If they approach the migration with that mindset, but the other side of the equation is the provider has to come to the table knowing that I'm going to learn something and I'm going to have an opportunity to improve my standard and improve my business um, and best practice processes through each uh, implementation, then you've got a winning recipe. If you've got the mindset of adopt standard, improve standard, then I think that goes a long ways to success. You, you know, that's a great point because we've seen some challenges with the shared services sector recently. And in fact, uh, I, th I think your boss and I think Mark Rieger was there too, uh, Dave uh, Lebrecht. 
Libric. Libric, thank you, uh, uh, scolded me for saying there's never been a successful shared services move. And he pointed to, I think, your work with HUD. And, and we debated on that, and I said, fair enough, Dave, uh, I knew not to argue with a, a bigwig like that. So, but um, that, that shows that, that when you both have a level, what are our standards, things can happen. Yeah, and, and, and so on HUD, that, so HUD remains the first uh, CFO Act agency or cabinet level agency to migrate to a federal provider. And yes, there's, there's audit reports out there that talks about there's bumps in the road and lessons learned and, and still ongoing data quality improvements to be made. What large scale initiative doesn't have some of those things? But those same audit reports point to a strong success story that, that HUD has. Um, that effort was large. It was three years and $68 million, nothing to sneeze at. But you compare that to those same audit reports that chronicle HUD's previous efforts <laughs> internally, almost two decades, $275 million, and no successful modernization. Right. Not only that, those audit reports also give credit to HUD for improving uh, the processes, and, and in fact, even uh, I think shed some light or, or give some credit to the, the, the partnership with the shared service provider helping to even surface or bring light on some areas for opportunity. So I think there's absolutely a, a positive value proposition even with HUD, and we think that is, is repeatable for other agencies at size and scale. Mark Rieger, jump in. So I think there's two lessons here, right? One is that it isn't just about the software. Roberta brought this up, but in HUD's case specifically, it was about the skill sets. HUD was suffering from uh, individuals leaving the agency, and they had a real lack of enough people in skilled categories to help do the accounting activities. And so when they contracted with ARC to do their shared service, it wasn't just about the software. It was really about can ARC and and HUD get together and do accounting better as one entity as opposed to two. And it has very much worked. Um, what the other Mark has said a couple times here too is vastly important is in order for an agency to really do this well, you have to have that agency in the right place. Remember our agencies a lot of times are made up of lots of individual entities, many of which have their own accounting activities, which are as different as our agencies are. And so having some consolidation inside an agency, so as they start to look for that shared service provider, they can represent their agency one time, and they've actually gone through their business processes. They've made them consistent inside is very helpful. And third, Jason, just as long as I'm running the mic, is um, people. You really have to do a long-term personnel plan on this kind of activity. You need to figure out who's contractors, who's staff, what staff you're going to need at the end of the process, how you're going to get through the process, and how you're going to help those people into other jobs. Right now, lots of agencies are challenged for staffs in a lot of areas. We could really use some repurposing of some of the accounting staff or the administrative staff in the agency activities. So we could do a long-term staff plan that would really help. Roberta, jump in. So I think Matt and Mark bring two critical points to when anyone is looking at a shared services. One is the upfront assessment and making sure that you get beyond the SLAs but have a true partnership discussion of what's really important to your agency and really understand what are the benefits I'm seeking, what what is the reason I'm going to the shared services provider and can I partner with them? Can I look them in the eye and feel comfortable that after this massive investment we're going to make together that we're going to be able to solve problems going forward? And then absolutely the understanding what are you going to look like in the end? Paying attention to your HR strategy and your talent management and planning for that so that when you've completed that both organizations are running smoothly. Uh, Cindy, let me, let me bring in Cindy because I want the private sector perspective. You're hearing kind of how do we, what, what, what's the path to get to shared services? You guys are in shared services. How did things change on your side, meaning that the people and the process? Yeah, so this conversation has me thinking about two things. One is how we got there, and then the second thing is the next phase of disruption, which remind me, we'll, we'll get into that okay. phase. But how we get there, we're actually not too different than what the folks around the table are describing. Right, Discover Communication, I have multiple brands, multiple countries that I need to support. When we first started to look at shared services and global business services, they were very fragmented. Silos up, each one wanted their own accounting system, each one wanted their own finance organization, right? their own IT structure, and so we had to convince all of our brands, TLC, Animal Planet, you, you can name all of them, that coming to a central organization whose mission was to unlock the future for particularly finance and embracing the curiosity within Discovery, the curiosity of all of our talent, could help them further their own strategic missions. And we had to go through a very robust marketing phase to do just that. 
and to do just what you all have done or are trying to do within the U.S. federal government. It's fascinating. It it always comes back to, uh, you know, the change management, right? And we'll get down there in a second. And I love the disruption piece, so so let's hold on. But, Mark, you want to jump in about NASA? I just really wanted to say that what Mark said about the commonality, it was, I believe, NASA moving to SAP, a centralized system, that enabled us to go and do shared services. Let me dig into that a second. So you're saying previously NASA maybe had two, three, four financial systems, yes. or, or maybe it was five SAPs, but one was on 10.1 and one was on 10.2. But by saying we're only going to be on, and you pick SAP 10.5 or whatever it is, that's that's allowed you to move down that path. I, I personally that right? believe that's yeah. really what helped us to move that next step. Yeah, uh, Matt, do you have the same issue? I Meaning you guys were set up in, in a different way than maybe the NASA was, but you also provide... Uh, the shared service for all of Treasury? Uh, not all of Treasury, the vast majority of Treasury, and then IRS a lot of... outlier. Uh, yeah, and, 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 yeah, absolutely. But but a, but a lot of, in fact, we have more entities outside Treasury that we service than, than inside Treasury, but it is all about, I mean, Mark's point is absolutely right, especially for these largest of the large agencies um, as they're evaluating the future landscape. Um, things that they can do to internally standardize will better position them for a future migration. Um, but to Mark's point as well, um, all of our customers are serviced on a shared system environment. So it's the same version, it's the same baseline, it's it's hosted in the same cloud provider. That makes our ongoing operations and improvements so much easier. And hopefully limited customization. Right. <laughs> Mark Rieger. So, so let me just add a little bit to that because both these guys have told you about the system side of this activity one more time. And while that's incredibly difficult, that may have been the easiest not to crack right. in this, right? And so um, as we think past those systems and start to think about the other things that are costs in mission support functions, we have to really focus on how you do that reorganization thought process, that centralization thought process across all your activities. And uh, Cindy, if I can pick on you for a second, when Discovery did this, they really had a great thought process. One of the things she's brought up before is how do you pay for this? And in fact, I I love the line that you used at a partnership event that said, uh, in fact, it's our business to do this. This is what we're being paid to do. We are being paid to be the administrative arm of our agencies. Our responsibility is to direct resources to the programmatic activity. And so making the mission support functions as efficient as we can possibly do is what we should be about. And actually, that's a great segue to Roberta. Uh, during the break, one of the things that you wanted to talk about, obviously, was was the what can be done, right? How, how do we move the ball forward? We've been running a little bit of mud on shared services. Uh, I know maybe Mark and Matt would disagree with me on that, but uh, for, for a little while, what can we do to kind of get the ball going a little faster? Well, I think one of the things, and, and the government is starting to do this pretty well, is, is doing pilots of innovation. Um, I think, you know, as Mark mentioned, I mean, all of the agencies have put in shared services to the reform plans. The demand in the market is, is just going to explode and the need and, and the supply isn't there. So what are the things that we could try? We could pilot, as Mark was talking about, a standalone, full-stack, uh, you know, global business services within the federal government, allow an agency to offload their shared services operations, let, allow it to just focus on being efficient and effective and providing those high-performing services. We can look at public-private partnership. How might we bring in industry to help set up some innovation centers? We could look at centers of excellence. So, you know, the next evolution in shared services is the back office, but then it's also moving towards what are those high-value services? What are the differentiated specialty services that could be provided? And can you use centers of excellence? And I think piloting different things, testing them out, see how they work moving forward is the next step. And uh, Matt, did you want to jump in on the previous one? or I, I just wanted to follow up on what Roberta said about the uh, public-private partnership. And, and as a provider, um, we, we try to figure out where do our federal resources provide the most value, and we think that's on the kind of the core financial management expertise. But we there's plenty of opportunities, and we partner with the private sector, not just to provide the software, but all the infrastructure support, integrator support, and a host of other things like that. So I think the value proposition of the public-private um, partnership is, is definitely there. And I, 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 
one more time, Jason, because I think Roberta hit it on the head. But I would offer that there are a lot of examples, a lot of pilots underway um, between these two shared service managers. They're piloting their relationship workforce, right? How many employees do you need? When is it best to have contractors? What can contractors do for you that can ramp up and come down that employees can't do? What stability do you bring by having a workforce that is made up more of federal employees who stay longer and maintain knowledge? By the same token, you're aware of the Section 2, Section 5 pilots that came out of the Data Act where we've learned really valuable lessons about data. Uh, and we are moving a lot more towards data management. So to aid grantees and uh, people looking for grants or people who have to file those myriad of reports associated with grants, um, how can we help them by providing electronic ways of collecting those record items, those data elements, and then allow all of us to assess those elements rather than have a myriad of reports that are difficult to compare. So uh, lots of pilots. I want to bring in Cindy as well on this because you mentioned disruption and what, what's coming next. And I think that the, the, the piloting concept will take us down that path of, okay, what's the disruptor? So talk a little bit about what you're seeing absolutely. or what you're planning to disrupt that discovery. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we see in the next generation of shared services is shared services can become more of a workforce management operation, right? Not just the people. We've talked a little bit about the people, the talent development, where are we taking our people? But we also have to pull into that the digital labor opportunities. And that's what we're looking at at, at Discovery. How do we blend those two operations and opportunities together and how to create a bigger opportunity for Discovery Communications using digital labor to truly disrupt the way in which we do work today and how do we retrain our workforce to be bot controllers, right, robot controllers. Uh, how do we retrain them to focus more on the customer experience versus the transactions that they've been used to processing over so many, so many years. And we get to a point where we look at over decades of commercial sector shared services, outsourcing has certainly been a big word, right, and a big opportunity. It's no longer the, the word of the day. Robots, RPA, is the word of the day. And, and I'm glad you, you defined digital labor, because I was, I was going to ask you what that meant. But, yeah. but um, I was uh, at a recent Shared Services event, and I know uh, OFIT, you know, Financial Innovation Transformation. Do I get that right? Innovation Transformation. There you go. Uh, uh, John Hill talked about some pilots. And, and uh, Matt, I'm not sure I'll put you on the spot. I'm not sure you're familiar. But he talked about blockchain. He talked about robotics. He t fascinating stuff they're working on. I, I don't know if you're able to talk a little bit about that, or is that a Mark thing? Uh, I can I can chime in, and Mark can as well. But yeah, Fit's looking to be an incubator of a lot of different innovative um, ideas. Um, robotics, blockchain are a couple of those. Um, I think the blockchain might be a little farther out there. I think the the RPA um, and the robotics is is right here uh, upon us. And I know Matt, uh, NASA's kind of been a leader in that front, and we're looking to learn there. Um, and so we're actively involved with Fit in trying to pilot several of our processes and see where might there be some opportunities for bots and and to drive out some cost efficiency in the transaction action processing world. Roberta, jump in. So we're seeing a lot of federal agencies interested in RPA. Um, in fact, one of our clients we've just completed, it's something you do very quickly, a six-week proof of value show, you know, you can actually um, use RPA within their processes. And now over the next three to four months, we're going to help them implement two bots in their financial processes. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg of what they're able to do. And it's something that can be done quickly implemented and see you know 60 70 percent savings within a six-month time frame and let me just define rpa define the the, the acronym and put you on the spot robotics process automation okay thank you just in case <laughs> um so, so go ahead mark Rieger. and there's there's a thought that comes up as as this comes around and we're piloting things too and fit has mm -hmm. provided a number of opportunities that everybody's going to want to pursue but is it uh, a time changer is it allow us to jump steps you know as you come from our distributed model to a shared service model you do have to process through the pain but some of these new techniques, robotics, some other transactions, actually allow you to save some time in that whole process. And so there is consideration of if we adopted a philosophy more around data, does that shove the agenda along even faster? And so lots of this is being talked about and, and pilots going on now too. All right. I know Cindy, you want to jump in? We're going to take a quick break and come back. We'll you get us started. You're listening to the panel discussion, The Tipping Point for Federal Shared Services, sponsored by Ernst & Young federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Agencies are looking to shared services to reduce costs, improve quality, and focus resources on mission programs. But the current shared services supply is challenged to meet demand and new strategies must be deployed. 
That's where EY comes in. Our government and public sector team can help you design and implement shared services delivery models to optimize operations. From preparing the move to a shared services environment to managing the transformation process, EY is ready to help you build a better working world. Visit ey.com slash govpublicsector. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, The Tipping Point for Federal Shared Services, sponsored by Ernest & Young on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Roberta Moreau, a principal in the government and public sector practice for Ernst & Young, Cindy Gallagher, a senior vice president for global business services at Discovery Communications, Mark Glorioso, the executive director of NASA's Shared Services Center, Matt Miller, the assistant commissioner for fiscal accounting at the Bureau of Fiscal Service in the Treasury Department, and Mark Rieger, the deputy controller at the Office of Management and Budget. Uh, at the very end of that, we get another great conversation and in Cindy, I know you want to jump in to talk about the disruption, and we talk about robotics a little bit, but there's even more to that than just, hey, let's put in a bot. Talk a little yeah. bit about what that actually means for the future. Sure, absolutely. Mark down at the OMB was just mentioning before the break the opportunity to move through things more quickly, and we talk about that all the time in the commercial environment. We talk about the term leapfrogging, and how can we leapfrog and use lessons learned to jump over some of the things that maybe needed to happen to you as you're a baby. you got to take little steps along the way. Once you get to be a teenager and into your 20s, you can skip steps. Right, so how do we skip or jump over things more quickly? And I think the financial space has an opportunity to learn from that quite well. And, and Mark, I think you're doing that and you're talking and having the ability to use digital labor, use RPA, and how do you take the lessons learned from organizations like mine, not repeat some of our mistakes, but then really focus on the value-added activities that we might have been measuring before that we no longer need to measure. That's right. And we're, because we're the federal government, we're a bit more risk-adverse than you all <laughs> a are. Bit, a bit. Um, because we, our failures tend to be public. Um, I just point out that even in our failures, we make interesting successes. Uh, I know there's two federal agencies who have been working together in a former segment was about them uh, getting a divorce. Uh, but in fact, uh, the principal of one of those agencies has acknowledged correctly that he has a process and a system that he would not have had before they sat down and compared notes and came up with ways of doing things. So even in things that in, in experimentation, you have to have good and bad. Out of every experiment, you hope to move forward. Uh, whether that individual uh, experiment winds up being a success or whether that just tells you things that you don't want to do, that's a very successful outcome. And so we, we have to figure out how to celebrate our successes more, tell the stories about the good things, tell the thing, stories about the two uh, Data Act pilots, uh, talk about what DHS did get out of that relationship, um, because there's positive benefits to all these things. And, you know, Mark, I'm here. I'm happy to talk to you whenever you're available. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I know you always love that. Roberta, jump in. So what Mark and I were talking about, we have to get to a point where are, you know, again, it's a risk-adverse environment, and we're worried about the headlines, but how about headlines that say, we tried these five different <laughs> innovations, right, and we, we made a dramatic difference in the way the federal workforce uh, tackled a certain problem. Like, let's lean into those types of headlines and create that environment. And I think many times, while uh, I, it was a joke to Mark, but in all seriousness, it's very difficult to get agencies to talk about what's going well because of that fear of, well, what if it doesn't go as well as we hoped? Uh, I don't know, Cindy, we'll bring you in as, as the oddball on the, on the group here. Do you, you don't have that problem, but you are a publicly traded company. We are a publicly traded company. So does that also, f does the risk aversion happen or because it's a profit as well piece? Yeah, it depends on how you market it, yeah. how, you, how you spin it, right? How you sell the story. Um, Discovery is a, f we are a fairly conservative company, believe it or not. Um, our main stakeholders could have a huge impact on the stock price, right? And a huge impact on, on many people's retirement plans, many people's wallets. For us, that big measuring stick is working capital. And if our working capital and free cash flow components are not doing what the street needs it to do, <laughs> it's on me, right? And, and that, that has happened. But what we try to do is market and really showcase any small wind that we have, right? And if anything looks like it's going in the wrong way, we openly talk about it. And we openly talk about it within the organization. What can we do to pivot it back? How is it going to impact our shareholders? How are we going to get ahead of that message? How can we, if we need to, involve the investor relations team to start having conversations with the big guys on the street before our earnings are released? Uh, and the same is true on the win 
inside. If we think that we're going to be favorable to our forecasts, let's start let's start really touting that hard, right? To make sure everybody knows the the work that went into it and the good things that could come to them as a result. And, and let me bring in Mark from NASA. You guys had a big win, uh, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about the the bot that you guys are using. And the, I think uh, Matt, you mentioned it was George Washington. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yes. Uh, and and what what's frustrating from a press perspective is why did I have to wait and hear about it? I think it was six to eight months, a year into it, right? Uh, would love to know about it as soon as you guys got it off the table and saw it was successful. So talk a little bit, a little bit about what, what's going on with how you guys are using bots. Uh, we started using this particular bot in accounts payable. We did a process where we looked at a Six Sigma process to try and figure out what are all of the steps we have to do. We identified the things that could be done by a digital workforce. We implemented the software, we ran through, we tested that, and we decided that's it, that's the one. And we put it out there, gave it a badge, gave it an ID number, and got it started. It had such great acclaim across NASA that our CFO started giving us money to go do more of it. So now we've got a team of people at the NSSC who are constantly looking for how do we do the next bot? How do we put that next time-saving measure, leapfrog a little bit over some of these steps and, and get that success? I also wanted to talk a little bit too though, um, this risk aversion. We, we went to the moon. I don't know what you're <laughs> so, Sorry. Um, but <laughs> it, we're not as risk averse on mission. We're risk averse on mission support. Got it. You know, I it, agree with and, you. And Jason, I was going to make that point. Yeah, Thank we, you. we don't go out and sell the, the many, many improvements that we do in mission support every single day. We just don't talk about that stuff. That's back room. We're supposed to be doing that, and we're supposed to be making that more efficient all the time to direct the resources at the public-facing services that we provide. So, Mark, come back. I uh, just wanted to say, when we were transferring services in, and as we continue to do that, we have 10 centers. They're all over the country. We have a work first that's doing this work everywhere. We came upon this concept called badge in place. We keep the people doing the work they were doing. We put them as a centrally located function, let them stay where they are. They're remote employees, telework kind of work. And that has, through attrition, allowed us to skinny down the workforce and get as much of our um, centralization uh, wins that we can. Is the workforce a big concern? Uh, maybe Matt, jump in here. As you guys kind of start to look at stuff like robotics and blockchain and automation, is the workforce, well, am I not going to press that button anymore? Am I not going to do my data sheet, you know, my spreadsheet anymore? Is that a concern for you guys, or, and how are you communicating around it? Actually, so you do it, communication's key, but it's actually interesting as we start to pilot um, and look for ways to leverage some of these things, it actually generates an excitement among the workforce when they get to uh, be innovative and, and try to find ways to do things better and, and again, if, if what we said earlier, if the demand is out there, then the workforce will be fine because there's going to be plenty of demand. It's, it's going to reshape the type of work that they do, but there's going to be plenty of demand to do a much greater body of work much more efficiently. And Cindy, you were nodding too. What was your, what was the, for Discovery Communications, the reaction from its workforce as you moved down the shared services path? Uh, at first, there was a lot of fear. Right when I first came in and started talking about robotics and other and other things, the team was fearful. And then as they started to learn, oh gosh, I actually have the ability to brainstorm, whiteboard, and reshape what I do every day. And that means I don't have to just key buttons, right? I can have conversations with my colleagues, I can have conversations with the business, and I can understand the business strategy more. They became more and more engaged. And we started to call people bot controllers, right? So our AP supervisor, that's part of her title, but she is also the AP bot controller. And then that's part of her everyday job, right? everyday role responsibility. that I don't want to let get away, and that was they focus on the customer experience and less on the transaction. Right. That's big. I, I think that's big. And we did have to do a lot of change management, right, to your point earlier, Jason, on that very point. And Matt, as you were talking about people, to us at Discovery, at least, and in the commercial sector, we have to provide new opportunities for our team members to learn, right? How are they going to learn? It is very fearful but not fearful to everyone, right? Especially if you look at the generational workforce we're in today. Some of the, the, the individuals we have, depending mainly on generational, actually, they don't want to do this type of work anymore. They want to be engineers. They want to be doing something creative. And giving this element to their everyday work gives them that opportunity to create. 
Roberta, jump in here a little bit. When you work with federal agencies and, and the, the workforce, I've never heard a federal agency who says, I have too many people. <laughs> I don't, uh, maybe they exist, I don't know, but, but I've never talked to an executive who said, you know, if I only had five less people, make my job easier. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're seeing from that workforce perspective. Uh, how, how, how do you handle that kind of change management? I think people are looking, again, at Yes, we have workforce, but are they working on valuable things? Are they engaged? Do they feel, are they connected with the mission of the agency? Are they um, bringing innovations? Are they, again, kind of leaning into their work when they come to work? And that's the conversations we have with, with our clients about, it's not just about headcount. It's about, are you getting the maximum benefit out of your people? Are they excited about what they're doing? Are they innovating? As you think about these bots, I mean, you're actually going to train people to be centers of excellence to drive more innovation. I mean, what we're seeing from a shared services perspective is that's where all the talent's going to end up going, the demand for talent, the understanding digital, um, bringing, uh, be, be, being the source of innovation and transformation is, is really what we want agencies to focus on. So, so we've been a fascinating conversation. I think we'd go another hour, but unfortunately, we were just about out of time. But so let me start. We started last time, the beginning of the Mark's side of the table. We're going to start on the other Mark's side of the table. What's the future of shared services? If we have this conversation a year, two, three from now, what's going to be different at NASA? At NASA, I believe what you'll see is a much greater migration of services. Our 10 centers will come together. They will move more services into that central location. And I think even in a bigger picture, I really believe that the real future of, of shared services is going to be in that centralized government function that needs to have some agency push. And I think that's coming 10, 12 years maybe. 10 or 12 years. Cindy, I hate to time. say it, but I think that's it. We've been talking about this for 10 or 12 years. Uh, Cindy, from the private sector perspective, where you see shared services going? Digital disruption <laughs> and labor management, right? And labor management, including the bots, including the robots that we put in place. We will continue to expand services. It's happening today. We will continue to move up the value chain and free up the resources of all of our business partners, but the way we do that is through dis digital disruption. Now, one, one thing about a private sector company, unlike the government, which is you know, much bigger, 2.1 million people, contractors are involved. Yeah. Do you ever get to a point where you're, you're done? I mean, I know there's always the modernization piece, but are you ever centralized? Yeah, yeah great question. And the answer is no, yeah. only because the business is never done. Right? Discovery is going through some major acquisitions right now. Right? With those acquisitions comes new work. With those acquisitions comes new opportunities to expand shared services, look at our global footprint. As we expand beyond the 220 countries and territories that we're in, we'll need to, again, continue to bring in work and look at the cultural differences that each of those opportunities bring. Right. Matt, talk about Treasury's future. So I think what won't change is our ardent belief and support for shared services and, and that bedrock principle that it's standardization and reuse. I think what Treasury is starting to explore is, is there more than one path to get there to expand adoption? Uh, example, we're in the process of trying to finalize an agreement with the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, NRC, to meet a need that they have. They have a modern system hosted in a cloud. They don't need to migrate to our system. They do have a need when it comes to some business and transaction processing services using their system. We think we've got strong uh, value to provide there. So we're going to look to do that. What better way to reduce the cost and the risk and the burden to allow the NRC, that CFO Act agency, to kind of uh, dip their toes in the waters and see some of the value that federal shared service providers can provide. Um, and hopefully it will lead to bigger and better things down the road. So are there more ways to get to where we ultimately want to be? And the, the example of NRC, I think, is a really important one because it doesn't have to be the big, let's do everything. Hey, we have a modernized system, but we could use help. We don't have the skill sets, the people piece. I think that's, that's, a, that's a great example. Are you seeing more agencies asking about the pieces and parts versus the entire enchilada? Absolutely. Yeah, there actually are a couple other agencies that are inquiring about similar opportunities. All right. Roberta, talk a little bit about the future. Where, where, where do you guys see it going? A lot of what we've talked about today, so we talked about analytics and using data to make business-driven decisions through data analytics and visualization. Shared services are going to be able to enable that. Process excellence, the robotics, but also workflow management, digi digitalization, um, mobile, collaboration hubs. These are all the innovations that are going to drive not only cost efficiency, but effectiveness and customer service. Are you seeing from, with this urgency that we talked about at the beginning, more agencies asking, hey, come meet with us, give us help, or is, are agencies still kind of hanging back a little bit and, and 
I think agency, many agencies have submitted their reform plan. To be fair, they're looking for you know the final release to come back from we're all looking for OMB that, <laughs> to say you know we put in these great plans, we leaned in, we 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 brought, we brought you big ideas. Which ones are going to be adopted? So a lot of the conversation we're having, they're excited about their plans, they want to move forward, they're kind of waiting to see do they have the green light. Right. Mark, when's that green light coming? Then we'll talk about your vision. So, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> if, you, if you think about it, we're in the 19 budget cycle. Um, agency strategic plans, their new objectives, their ERM plans around enterprise risk management are all due this spring. And so I'm hoping and expecting you'll see a lot of this baked into those processes as we come into spring. I mean, clearly we have a pretty evolutionary, maybe bordering on revolutionary change. The nice part, Jason, is some of us have been screaming about this for many years. Um, in this point, we have this groundswell of the agency people who say, if you want to move forward, we need more of this. And so if we can encourage those people and, and actually perform for them, we will get a big change. And one of the things that's happening in Congress is the uh, Modernizing Government Technology Act. I know it's a, it's a technology piece, but it's going to create a working capital fund at each agency. Uh, I know, Mark, you can't necessarily talk about the, the, the legislation itself, but the, the missing piece I've seen over the last decade plus is the money piece, right? Working capital funds or, or how, to, how to increase it. D does that give you even more hope that you have now Congress, in, in a sense, is, is buying into this broader concept? Well, to the, to the extent that all the parties involved, the agencies, Congress, um, the commercial world, all can come together towards solutions to some of those outstanding problems would be really good. Um, you know, if we can get all these parties to participate, we'll have the pieces that we can use together to get there. All right, excellent. This is a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, though, we are out of time, so maybe we can do this again another time. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Roberta Moreau, a principal in the government and public sector practice for Ernst & Young, Cindy Gallagher, a senior vice president for global business services at Discovery Communications, Mark Glorioso, the executive director of NASA's Shared Services Center, Matt Miller, the assistant commissioner for fiscal accounting at the Bureau of Fiscal Service at the Treasury Department, and Mark Rieger, the deputy controller at the Office of Management and Budget. Thank you so much for your time today. You've been listening to the panel discussion of the tipping point for federal shared services, sponsored by Ernst Young on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I've been your host, Jason Miller. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Ernst & Young. Thank you for listening to The Tipping Point for Federal Shared Services Panel, sponsored by Ernst & Young on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion is available on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Ernst & Young. Agencies are looking to shared services to reduce costs, improve quality, and focus resources on mission programs. But the current shared services supply is challenged to meet demand and new strategies must be deployed. That's where EY comes in. Our government and public sector team can help you design and implement shared services delivery models to optimize operations. From preparing the move to a shared services environment to managing the transformation process, EY is ready to help you build a better working world. Visit ey.com slash govpublicsector.